day, everyone, and welcome to The Gray Man, where we discuss more than just the hot topics and headlines of the day from a black man's perspective. We appreciate that we are not a monolith, and every subject deserves to be explored with nuance, giving a view from all sides of the culture. So we're here to hopefully bring that to you every week with a little bit of nuance, class, and some fun along the way. Our panel consists of three guys that are absolutely nothing alike, and you'll soon come to find out just how much we love each other in spite of our sometimes very big differences. I'm Billy Craig, and I'll be your moderator for the day, coming to you from a very cloudy and rainy Delaware out here on the East Coast. As always, I'm joined today by my backup vocals, once known as the public announcement, Andre Collins. <laughs> Paul, Andre, how you guys doing today? We doing good. How'd you get out? <laughs> right. Hey, hey man, that man's still cutting tracks. Bars. <laughs> bars behind bars. Bars behind bars. Hey man, you can't hey the real ones, you can't stop them, man. Mm-hmm. But uh welcome anyway. What's going on, Andre? How you doing? Man, I'm hanging in there, dog. It's hot. In Nashville, Tennessee, so I'm staying in the air condition. This is how we plan it today. Mm. Man. But I'm ready. I'm ready. I, I got some heat for you today, so I'm ready. All right, yeah. It's definitely going to be a hot one today, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, first topic of the day, uh, Creflo Dollar made news. For those of you who do not know who Creflo Dollar is, he is a mega church pastor uh, right outside of Atlanta, Georgia, down at East Point. And uh, he has been uh, popular for decades, frankly. Um, I remember watching him in college and seeing him on BET. It's kind of a big deal because he was one of the first black ones to really uh, cut into the mainstream. But he made an apology, which made news because he decided that it was time for him to correct the record on tithing. And um, this, for those who... uh, saw it became a really big stir on the internet. Uh, It was a big deal for a lot of people because, you know, you had a lot of people who were, again, taking one side or the other as far as uh, what he had to say. And so my question then is for all of us, especially those who are familiar with him uh, in, let's just say in black America in particular, Do we accept Creflo Dollar's apology, and should we, about teaching incorrectly on tithes? And I'll start with Andre. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to, uh, I guess, yes, in a like, I don't go to his church, so I guess he's not technically offending me. Now, I know we're going to make this a bigger argument based on other pastors and just the overall sentiment about tithing. Um, So... Sure, I accept his apology, but only halfway because um, there's another pastor in Atlanta, um, Michael Clayton Harris, who yes. brought up the point that he ain't getting none of the money back. He just he just said, my bad, I was wrong on the teachings. And so this is where, like, an apology without action doesn't really, it doesn't really fly very far with me. Like, you know, Benny Hinn, all, like, it, there's been a host of people who, have, a host of pastors did this, Benny Hinn and... Uh, Joyce Meyer and Todd White also said, you know, my bad, I got this wrong. Now, my issue with this is, you know, you are a minister, a pastor. So you've, I'm, I don't know a pastor who hadn't uttered the phrase, 
you know, the, the words is the same yesterday, today and forever. So what what brought about this change, I guess, is what's going on, because I'm, I'm confused. If the Bible ain't never changed, how are you just now coming to this revelation post-COVID? Because remember, we talked about this in week one, where COVID shined a light on the church and made people have to do things differently. Um, is is the extra time reflecting? Like, is I mean, after I got my plane, I'm cool. Like, I don't need no more ties. Like, what what is the... What's the thing that sparked this? Because he never gave a backstory on how he got here. He just said, my bad, I was wrong. Okay. Paul, what you got? Well, again, I, I started mm-hmm. with, if he ain't giving the money back, why is he talking? It's, it's, it's like, you know, with the legalization of marijuana, uh, if they ain't going to let all the people out of jail that went to jail behind it. I don't want to hear about, oh, we have the medicinal and it's let everybody out, give them first dibs on whatever, and then we can we can move from there. And this is the kind of the same thing with uh Creflo Dollar. If you ain't giving the money back, I don't want to hear none of that. Like you just you basically you if somebody slapped you and said, you know what, I shouldn't slap people, and you don't get to hit them back. <laughs> Like, where do we get that from? Like, what? And and this is one of those things where I'm not, I, you know, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I don't believe in forgiveness. I believe in letting things go, but I don't believe in forgiving. I believe forgiving is giving someone permission to do it to you again or to do something else to you, bro. Like, and what else is he going to do and ask to, uh, to be forgiven for? You know, he stole money from me for decades and said, oh, my bad, I shouldn't have did that. So what, what's the repercussions behind that? How does he repent? How does he do penance? Does he give money back with interest? Okay. I mean, life is getting cut off from, you know, people ain't feeding their kids. They're doing all this. Uh, and he was saying that the new way to do it, I, or I don't know if it's the new way, but like the whole guilt factor of, you know, you not giving your 10% is causing you to damnation and it's putting pressure on people. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of people are leaving the church. Cause it's like, yo, I don't need that stress in my life to be able to have to deal with you lecturing me that I'm not doing my part for God, even though I'm a good person. And, mm-hmm. you know, like Marvin Sapp, uh, he got sued by his former housekeeper because she didn't pay tithes, or according to him, she didn't pay tithes on her $18,000 salary. So he fired her. And mm-hmm. like these things, like, and now you have this split between the church now because now this is a thing. So, and he is one of the largest voices, uh, you know, based on that. So now we got tithers versus non-tithers and, and whether it's right and wrong. And that creates a kind of a hypocritical nature in the church, which starts off the problem of why a lot of people don't go to churches because you, you have this, you know, this feeling of one pastor believes one thing, this pastor believes a totally opposite thing. We're not talking about just whether black people can come to church or white people can come to church, like small things, like, the entire foundation, for as long as I can remember, has been built on you got to pay your tithes. So this mm-hmm. is this is a huge thing that mm-hmm. now is a disagreement within the church. And I, and as a person who goes to church, um, I'm looking at you, Rev, on this one. How y'all gonna clean it up, bro? Okay. <clears throat> well, before I clean it up, um, <laughs> let me start here. Uh, a little background. Um, in two regards. Number one, um, so when I lived in Atlanta, I had several neighbors and friends, people who I was pretty close to, who 
invited me to come out to World Changers. Uh, in fact, a couple of people that worked for me when I had uh, my stores down in Atlanta, they actually were members of his church, uh, his congregation there. It's a humongous, um, humongous building uh, out there at East Point. And um, I visited strictly because I wanted to. I, I'm, a, I'm one of those kind of people that I'll show up to your mosque. I'll show up to your temple, synagogue, whatever, just to be able to learn because I find that um, religion is already polarizing enough, even within the Christian faith, it's very splintered. And so I find that people who stick to their own and they don't listen and they don't take the time to try to understand, they end up limiting themselves. So my point is, I do have a little bit of familiarity with it. That by no means should be taken to mean that I agree um, with some of the things that Creflo has taught. I do feel like he's very gifted at teaching, but uh, part two of this is um, I have always disagreed with that teaching. Um, part of that comes from, A, um, believe it or not, I went to Catholic school. And so these are some of the questions that I would ask. And what you find is um, certain traditions and groups believe in this idea of tithing uh, it stems from this idea of the old law, um, this idea that you were to give a tenth of all of your stuff during the times where you tithe. And there are people who believe that that should continue when there are others who see it right there on the paper where it says that we're no longer under the old law. Now, I don't want to get too far off into the minutiae and the scriptures and everything because that's not really what we're here for. At least I'm not because I don't find this to be an issue of the teaching and correcting the teaching as much as two things that trouble me about the conversation that came up around it. Number one is that, and I'll go back to last week when we were talking about, well, Paul, when he was talking about um, Umar and when he was talking about Jason Whitlock, right? The fact of the matter is he said something very important, and it's a principle I live by. Most people should, even though they don't. Once new information is given, then you have to adjust accordingly. And just like Paul, not that it's apples to apples, but just like Paul was like, listen, I was bumping and I was willing to give uh, Whitlock a break and willing to listen to him, and I was willing to give Umar a chance or whatever. But once you see it for what it is, new information is presented, then you have to uh, take it as such. The reason why I took the time to go into the idea that tithing is not something that is just universally accepted uh, within the Christian faith, because you have different traditions who don't necessarily subscribe to that. I've never been one to subscribe to that. And I'm fortunate that I've always been taught appropriately how tithing was something that was Old Testament. It is not something that we are under. Um, there are plenty of passages like in Second Corinthians and Romans where it talks about not giving out of compulsion, but you should give out of the kindness of your heart. You should give what you've decided in your heart to give, that kind of thing. Um, but I say that only to say that what I find troubling is that Creflo made a course correction and we're already cynical about the course correction that he made and already counting this man's money. Now, the reason why I also brought up that about- world it was God's money. Wait a second, wait, let me finish. <laughs> this is part two of it. 
a lot of times people do not understand how these pastors are making their money. So like when you look at a T.D. Jakes, when you look at a Joel Osteen, when you look at a Joyce Myers, a lot of them, it's very similar to when we have an athlete. And I'll just use, for example, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, if you actually look at his earnings and it's obvious, he did not make the bulk of his money. His revenue didn't come from his actual contract with the Chicago Bulls and certainly not the Washington Wizards. He actually made most of his money outside of the NBA. It was endorsements. It was Wheaties and it was McDonald's and it was Nike and that kind of thing. Those those endorsements. Very similar what you find. And I found this out when I was living in Atlanta and talking to not just him, but when I did some searching and talking to different people, um, Andre Landers was uh, someone who I spoke to about this. Um, the, the New Birth was a really big uh, church. Now, it still is a very big congregation down there. And there was some scandal and things like that. But what they find is what you find is that most of these pastors are not making money directly from the collection plate. They're making their money from speaking appearances. They're making the money from books they have written. They're making the money from other things that they are a part of. And so what you find is T.D. Jakes writes a book, becomes a bestseller. He ends up getting the money. And so what they do is they strategically, for tax purposes and otherwise, they make it a point not to bring in their money from the church itself. Or they'll take in, let's say they earn, you know, $500,000 or something like that. They end up giving that portion back to the church so that they're not a burden to their congregation. I bring this up because it is a false argument to say, well, why doesn't he give the money back? And the reason why I've held off on saying that, because I'm not here to defend him and his teachings. I feel like that's problematic. I've always felt like it's bad. I've taken the hits in ministry for years because people are like, you're just a hater. You're just mad because you're not some mega church pastor and you're not out there with the same platform. But what you find is actually when it comes to his earnings, his earnings are solid. That's his money. Now, what he gives, it's again, it's on his heart what he's going to give, but he's not fleecing the church like some of these fly-by-night storefront preachers who are out here counting the money and doing shady stuff with it. Their accounting is not the issue. His teachings were the problem. And the fact that he was willing to correct it and even say that, because I, I took the time to listen to the whole thing because it's near and dear to my heart. He basically said, and I honestly have been sitting on this for a couple of years, and I had to find the courage to be able to admit that I've been wrong for decades in the way I teach, because this is what I was taught. I was taught incorrectly about a lot of, and Andre said it perfectly, where are you going to go, especially in the black church where you don't hear somebody teaching about tithing? It's what everybody passed down, but it was bad information passed down. And personally, again, I don't align myself with Creflo. I just find it to be disingenuous that we're not willing to accept when a person makes the apology and makes the course correction rather than criticizing him. Because basically what you're mad, you're just mad because he's rich, not the fact that he'd been teaching it wrong because the way he was teaching, it had nothing to do with how he was making the money. I think people are mad because they feel lied to. They feel fleeced. They feel pimped. That's why people are mad. Because you telling them to have faith, have faith, have faith. 
Just give just give a little bit. Have faith. Have faith. God gonna come through and God ain't done nothing. And these so the people question, should he I'm just telling you what is the apology gonna do? These people have lost money. People have like not paid bills. Like people have been shut. Utah's Absolutely. a whole different Utah is built on tithing. Absolutely. And Utah, it's wrong. Wyoming, uh, Idaho, Arizona, Oregon, all built on tithing. And what and I people but, and there are people and it's can't wrong. jobs if they don't give their check. People lose their jobs. I have like literally this, ask anybody who's ever known me. Right. I've literally never I've literally never taught that and I've always taught against even when I was younger. My point is the man owned it. The man has literally said, throw everything that I ever taught on this subject out because I was teaching what I was given and I was teaching it wrong. And it's almost like that can't be, it's almost like we can't do two things at once. We can't hold him accountable, hold his feet to the fire and accept the fact that at least he was willing to own it. So how could you get access to the proper teaching and not him? It's not a matter of access. It's a matter okay. of people being okay. unwilling to believe things. So this Just is like not those people that it were giving the money. What's that? It was not a mistake. It was a choice. No, absolutely. It was a mistake. I've been taught things wrong from people that I trusted. And okay. I had to go and back and do my due diligence. And but you now had we're to back do your due diligence. But now we're back. That's my point. But that's what I'm saying. Whether he did his due diligence now or he did it 10 years ago, the point is, are we now saying, well, you you knew better all this time? Like you should have done, you should have corrected this back in the 90s. What at what point do we take the man at his word that he owned the fact that he'd been teaching it wrong? You what were you saying, Andre? But now we're back to the the origin story of what made you change your mind. Like you said something about he spent the last couple of years wrestling with this information. And what, so I still need to know, like, what made you change your mind? Like, just the fact that you're saying I got it wrong this entire time doesn't do anything for me. Because like Paul said, there are people that are looking like, OK, so what else have you lied about? This is what it comes down to is they treat it as a lie, not a mistake. And so if you're sitting here saying you're supposed to be spiritual leading people, we're not talking about the people of his church. We're talking about the, oh, the people on the outside looking at because, like I said, we still got people going to churches whose pastors are still teaching tithing. So this isn't an overall universal change. No, so, I get that. And what yeah, so I guess what I'm saying is tooth, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Correct. We can hold his feet to the fire because he deserves it. I'm no, it, I'm in that camp. But again, like, I'm not even talking about getting him. I, I'm that's what I'm saying. And that is an Andre, that's my whole point. He isn't he's a nice shiny flashing object that gets everybody's attention because he has that platform and he has that name recognition. But the fact of the matter is. He's not the only one. And what I'm saying is you can hold somebody's feet to the fire, but you can also honor their willingness to be humble and own their mistakes and their repentance at the same time. I don't believe it was a mistake. I believe it's a, it, it was a choice to me. I don't see it as a mistake. I teach my children there are mistakes yeah. and there are choices. I know the difference. This was a choice. You said you don't wrestle with with taking people's money for two or three years and continue to do it. Like what? But that's what, what I'm does saying. That but see, that, but I just, but I just made the point. He's not. That's just it. He wasn't taking directly into his pockets 
that's not even it's, it's like when they talk about there's data and then there's facts like there's data and then there's truth the accounting, unless we're going to sit here and scrutinize whether or not World Changers Ministries or Enterprise or whatever it's called, technically, unless we're going to scrutinize their account and say they're doing some funny business, that's public record. That's not it's, it's not a matter. His salary is not in dispute. What I'm saying is his integrity when it comes to taking that. That's why I said it's a difference between storefront preachers who are counting the money and putting it in their pocket and walking off. But we're not talking about accounting errors or people stealing. It's not like he's been embezzling. We're talking about an incorrect teaching. And my point is, he hurt a lot of people, but that's not the same as him hurting a lot of people for his benefit. He he wasn't taking the money. We're not talking about him taking the money. I can't sit here and say he didn't take any money because the the ties were used to pay his salary at some point. The tithes were also used to pay for the building and the other things that he was able to take place in. He that sixty-two million dollar plane that oh, that that was used with church funds. That that the is the part. And what I, here's what I'm saying because I don't want to get off into all the theological and doctrinal stuff. My point is all of that. The the plane. L- listen, I got I, I can send you to SoundCloud and show you the sermons where I've directly discussed that. That is disgusting. You don't need a private jet to carry you around for $65 million. What I'm saying is, at what point do we acknowledge that he corrected course? Okay, when he, sell, when he sell the plane then. That's where I'll put it at. Okay. I mean, that's, I guess that's fair. Because frankly, I I'm not interested in the plane. Because as far as I'm concerned, if you gave if, if you gave sixty five million dollars as a collective group because you believed that this was going to further that man's ministry, then at that point, that ain't a matter of what he taught you. That's a matter of you being willfully ignorant and you didn't do the due diligence yourself. Well, they sell uh, by your way to heaven, right? Even though the Bible clearly says there ain't no way to do it, but you don't, you want to believe that. And so mm-hmm. what I'm saying is there are people, what I'm saying is there are more people um, complicit in this lie than just him. And I personally feel like, again, we can do two things at once. You can both hold his feet to the fire. And like you said, hey, get back to playing or get back to $65 million or, you know, whenever they had them class action lawsuits and they'd be like, were you hurt? <laughs> You know, did you right. use uh, Johnson and Johnson powder? You might be back entitled in to financial compensation. Or, yeah, you might be entitled to financial compensation. Like you are still, and and that's going back. I mean, not to be funny, but like that goes back to the Mosaic Law. Like restitution is in order, reparations are in order. I'm only saying that we have to be willing to do two things at once. Because let's face it, there's a lot of people out there without the name Creflo Dollar who are still holding on to this lie. And still, they're, they're literally calling him like he's some kind of, you know, heretic or like he's a false teacher because he's now correcting the record. You're messing and up I, the game. Literally, that's all mm-hmm. it is. And even if you feel like, like you said, Paul, I'm not going to argue with you like, hey, he knew better and this was all a racket. And now it's just like it ain't worth it to him. Anymore. I don't know because I don't know him personally. What I'm saying is the conversation, we have to be consistent. And consistency okay. is don't just sit up here and act like 
when a man actually owns his mistake, that now we're going to beat him down even more. It's like, no, hold his feet to the fire. Restitution's in order. You know, you may be entitled to compensation. Call Collins and Wilson, attorneys at law. (laughs) He will get you your money or something. But I find that we convolute the arguments because at the same time, people getting ready to show up on Sunday for church and they still are caught up under this tithing uh, false ideology, false theology. And they, it's a hard thing to break. But if anything black people need to understand is mind control is a hard thing to break. People have been brought up under this system for decades. Mm-hmm believing something that wasn't true. It was a distortion. So that's all I got on. I just I had to get that off. I I, I was it was mm-hmm. it was hurting me. It was paining me. Mm-hmm. All minds are clear. If all minds are clear. <laughs> I'm good. The doors of you church are open. If you good, I'm good. <laughs> Well, moving right along, um, the second thing we're going to talk about is uh, a little thing we know all too well, uh, uh, yet another thing that we lived under our Mm -hmm. whole lives. The topic Mm -hmm. of what is also known as code switching, um, Mm -hmm. changing up um, in in less sophisticated circles. They call it talking white, Mm -hmm. maybe. Sell it now. Mm-hmm. Coonist. Mm-hmm. We we back. We back. <laughs> back to that. Back to that. <laughs> All right. So when we talk about code switching, uh the, the way I want to present this is with a very simple question. Um in light of how our society has changed and the standards of how we communicate, how we dress, how we approach one another, even in the workplace, because that's where a lot of this would show up, is in uh, circles where there was a certain professionalism uh, expected of you. Um, People don't hold those same uh, norms and mores and things like that. So the question is, do we still need code switching? Do we, is that an art that we still need to uh, teach our children and participate in? Or is it okay to just talk the way you want to talk and be the way you want to be? Paul, you first. Well, uh, yeah, it's definitely necessary. Um, it's no different than being bilingual, trilingual, or uh, however, multilingual. You got to learn the language of the land that you walk in, right? So uh, I couldn't talk on North Bend Road in the hallways, the way I talk with the homeboys at the park, right? I I don't talk to my children how I talk to you. When we have conversations, we have different I conversations. Hope not. Right. So <laughs> um, it's most definitely necessary. And if you aren't actually participating, it's also I, feel, I see it as a lack of respect. Um, it's not submission, it is respect. And some people confuse respect and submission. Mm. Uh, um, paying attention to someone's customs. Um, if, even though I don't go to church, I bow my head when I went at a meal with, a, with, with someone who's religious because that's what you do. 
right? So that's that's code switching. Um, putting on a suit when you go to court is code switching. Um, because if you don't put on a suit, go to court in a FUBU with, with drug charges. See what happened without a lawyer. See how that worked out. See how that worked out for you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, presentation is is a lot of how people receive you, how people will choose to entertain you going forward. You never get a chance to make a first impression, right? Like you see, you know, Dre and I, we, we got these chains on. We would never wear these chains walking down Blair Avenue in the 80s. And if you know, you know. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> no, just don't do it, right? right. Um, I went to St. X, private all-boys school. You think I could have worn my hair like this? At all. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I had a coach in college, didn't want facial hair. So we had shade. So I had the bumpy face under my chin strap. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Hair bumps, all kind of crazy stuff because this is how this is how I had to do in order to participate with this group. Yeah. Right? Groups have their own rules. The military has the same standard. Police. Right. Uh, right. Up, up until recently, what was it? I know like the Reds, the Yankees, like mm-hmm. you had to have no facial hair. Right. Like maybe a tight muscles. My dad, when he worked for IBM, he took his job. Well, he started there in 1968. Mm-hmm. They were like, you literally had to, you know, you had to wear the wingtip shoes and suit and the tie with the white collared shirt, maybe a little yellow on Friday kind of thing. Like, but you had this code. Y'all remember Millicron? Yeah. It was yes. it was what all navy blue yes. or gray slacks with the navy blue with the yep. white, right? Yep. Catholic school. What did we do in Catholic school? We had khakis. Mm-hmm. Them khakis mm-hmm. and slacks and them polo right. shirts. And that was, and then right. Friday we like you can wear some gym shoes. And I was like, bet. No, we could, well, y'all had to wear stuff at bacon. We didn't we had a dress code. We didn't have uniforms. Yeah, well, no, that's what I'm saying. The girls had uniforms. We didn't have right. uniforms at bacon. Okay. I'm saying that it was for me, it was I I didn't have to change anything from St. X to Roger Bacon. The right. only thing was on Fridays you could wear some gym shoes because other than that it was them eastlands that right i didn't even discover eastlands like that until mm-hmm. freshman mm-hmm. year where it was like yeah you're gonna do it i used to wear sneakers to, to x i just but you just had to wear uh it's, like kind, how every, yeah. it's just how everybody dresses now everybody will wear like slacks with a collared shirt, but they yeah. got they, you know, they ones or they J's yeah. or whatever on how people wear sneakers. Solid color, like it almost like wearing sketches or something. Yeah. Right. Like right. it could yeah. be like, yeah, stand out. Right. Right. So Andre, where do you come down on code switching? You're a professional code switcher. I, 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 I am a professional. <laughs> I am a professional code switcher. Um so I think part of the problem that we get caught up in is not us, but like as as a whole within this code switching argument is we operate on things. We want to operate on how things should be versus how mm-hmm. things actually are. Mm-hmm. And so I remember one of my friends having this argument that, you know, she doesn't teach her kids. Um, she actually is against her kids saying, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You know, and things like that. And like what we take is like we would take as commonplace courtesy and and. She was like, you know, that you don't call them sir or ma'am. They, you don't, they don't own you or anything like that. And it's like that sometimes it's being militant for no damn reason whatsoever. Like, I mean, so 
backstory, like, I mean, I'm in corporate America. Like, I, I just am. That's part of the game that I chose. Um, now, at the same time, was also and still am, a, you know, a songwriter, producer, artist, and all of that. So I have to bounce between both worlds. But what I learned early on was that in order for me to make progress and be a star, you know, quote unquote star, I needed to be able to talk the language of the people that I wanted to be in the rooms with. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, you know, some people are against or opposed just because they want to, you know, quote unquote, keep it real. Um, they, They are cutting off so much access to everything just in sake of, you know, not losing whatever points they were supposed to get from the hood that don't give a damn about them anyway. But I, uh, but I'm in, like, it. I've code switched for so long that it's just a matter of who I am now at this point. I'm able to adapt to any room that I'm in because I've done it for my entire life. When you go to Moeller, and again, all three of us share a commonality. We went to Catholic schools. Um, now, Moeller's one of the prestigious all-white Catholic schools, and but Montgomery Road. You have to drive through there. One of my homeboys lived in Silverton. So the amount of times I got pulled over on Montgomery Road going into Silverton is is outside outside of a was is typical for black people in Cincinnati. But it mm-hmm. just in reality, it's outside the norm. Um, but without being able to, you know, change my change my voice, change it, turn the radio down, because back then it, I was listening to Pac heavy. Me and Tupacalypse now was on. But I can't play Soldier Story. Um at the time, the cop walks up to the car. So no, right. we're gonna put on we're gonna we're gonna hit that button real quick, put on some Led Zeppelin, and we're gonna say yes, sir, and mm-hmm. and try to get out because my whole goal is just to make it out this thing alive. Mm-hmm. I've been practicing that since I was fourteen. So now, like I said, this is now just a part of who I am. But also, being able to do this has opened up doors and got me into rooms that I had no business even being in. Mm-hmm. But because I was be able to carry myself in a certain way. It opened up doors and avenues. Now y'all got options and y'all can do what y'all want to. But it, a lot of people were preaching or or bitter about oppression. Like may, they hold me down. They don't want to give me a chance because they think I'm just you know too black or I'm too this or I'm too that. And it's like mm, I don't necessarily know if it's that versus the representation. You are a brand. This is the same thing that I've always been taught and I also teach. You are a brand. If you're bad for the brand, you're not going. They're not going to put you out front. You're not going to be elevated to a position because, or mm-hmm. you're at least you're going to have a ceiling that's a lot lower than other people's. Eating, no matter how smart you are. So yes, all that to say, yes, I'm in favor of code switching. I think it's still necessary because the rest of the world, even though we done caught up in some little small towns, the rest of the world ain't caught up to that yet. Kendrick mm-hmm. Perkins is an anomaly on television. Charles Barkley is an anomaly on television. Yeah. Those ain't the those ain't the rules. And and Charles about to retire, so we bo- are we gonna be left with Kendrick Perkins? That's about it. Everybody else, Draymond. <laughs> but Draymond knows how to speak. Like I'm about to say, Dray- Draymond is one of the best code switchers in professional sports. Man. Well, you also yeah. got to speak for yourself, boys. Wiley and Acho yes. are, are amazing. Are amazing. <laughs> yes. And, and and what I find fa- it's funny that you bring them up because what I find fascinating about them is that what regardless of what you think of them. Their codes, the, the way that they seamlessly code switch in and out is legendary. Mm-hmm. Like, it's even like, if you don't agree with them or you feel like, oh, I don't like them, the way that they literally go, they, they, oh, in boy. fact, for a white person or somebody who's not familiar with what black people speak of when they say code switching, I would literally just tell them, 
watch an episode of Speak for Yourself. Like, because it ain't just about talking white. Because we have to co-switch amongst each other. Absolutely. Dude. Yes. Right? You and there's some who don't do your, well. Well, you have your African-Americans. You have your Negroes. You have your black folks. And you have what we call the N-words with the soft A. Yes. Right? Yes. So, those, And I know each and every just, one of those categories when I hear them. When I right? see them, I know which one I'm talking to. Right. So you can't talk to those four different boxes of folks All with the time. same language. Talk, talk to talk to an African-American the way you talk to a soft A. That yeah. African-American will never speak to you again or he'll yeah. try to correct you or she'll try to correct you like, brother, we don't talk like that. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you say, old lady, like, baby, come here, baby, what? baby, come here. <laughs> <laughs> Let me help you out. You know, one of the things I think of and I, I'm going to borrow this from. My man, Mr. Eclectic Soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his uh, catchphrase? Read the room. Mm-hmm. And what I find mm-hmm. fascinating about even the conversation and, the, and all the dynamics around code switching is that um, too often it is treated, much like you were alluding to earlier, Paul, it's treated as though if I code switch and I am somehow selling out, right? right. We're back to that. Mm-hmm. Where we're, we're, it's like you're treated as though you somehow lessened yourself or you took something or stripped yourself of something, your dignity, your your honor or something by being mm-hmm. willing to address someone as yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, mm-hmm. by being willing to conform to a certain set of rules, like you said, shaving, um, mm-hmm. something we all had to do or dressing a certain way. These are types of things that um, because we tie it to some um I don't know, some false agreements, you might say. Mm-hmm. Um, we tie it to the wrong things. But I think of this book. Uh, there's a guy who is named, he's a linguist. His name is John McWhorter, right? right. And he has a uh, book that I read a, long, a while ago. It's called Nine Nasty Words. Came out with it a few years ago. I read it during COVID, but came out with another one uh, recently. It was called Talking Black. I'm sorry, Talking Back and Talking Black. And basically, he broke down how some of the ways in which we will tell a person that's talking black. Actually, when it comes to linguistics, we've kind of pigeonholed ourselves and put ourselves in this box Mm -hmm. where we'll tell somebody that they're talking black when really what we're thinking in our head is they're talking incorrectly. Mm -hmm. They're they're Mm -hmm. talking and we'll call it bad English. Well, the fact of the matter is there are all different types of dialects. There are all different types of. Uh, ways that you get down when you talk in different places. I I can think I'm p- speaking perfect English. I land over in the UK somewhere, and they'll be like, "He he sound kind of backwards and country or whatever," because that's how they view my dialect. Same thing if I talk to somebody who's let's say from New Orleans, somewhere on the Delta, Mississippi, something like that. There's a totally different way in which they speak. Even the way that they use certain terms that we would just think of as normal stuff like mom and dad. Right. Mm -hmm. But I bring all this up only to say that too often um, we associate code switching with whether or not you a real one, whether or not you down, whether Mm -hmm. or not you, you know, you a ride or die. All of these things we, we associate this honor 
or this bravado or this litmus test of you being consistent without understanding that, like you said, when I go to court, no, wearing a suit is not something that you would look down at somebody about because you understand that you, you're addressing a judge. You're addressing mm-hmm. a jury. Uh, you're trying to represent yourself in the best light possible, even if you're not the defendant. Like you show up appropriately. And I find that the code switching conversation uh, gets convoluted because of our own insecurities, our own imposter syndrome. Because a lot of times we don't feel like we belong in the room anyway. Mm-hmm. And so then we feel like, well, we got to measure up. And so it's like we got to take away this litmus test that comes with code switching. And instead, we need to, frankly, I respect people who, like you said, are bilingual and trilingual, multilingual and able to adapt. I mean, if, if I'm over in China somewhere, I'm taking my shoes off. I'm going to have my feet clean because I know mm-hmm. my shoes are coming off because that's what they do. And unless you want to be immediately dismissed from whatever conversation or whatever situation it is, you do it. And there's no shame associated with your ability to read the room and the right time it is. Uh, so I was sitting here thinking like, <laughs> when we keep talking about court and everybody or not everybody, but people talk about about code switching until they need a lawyer to talk in the proper right. English to, to the judge. Man. Like <laughs> you get your lawyer and he 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 approached the judge and be like, hey, look here, little boy. Uh, you're going to sit here and think you're going to jail. Like, I'm going to jail. I need to go to jail. I'll be like, Your Honor, I need new counsel. I, I'm, I'm talk- I'll, I'll represent myself. I'm good. Yeah, like my cousin so- Benny. Remember your boy got up there and started stuttering? He was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Uh-uh. Now, all of a sudden, Benny ain't looking so bad. Right. right. Well, it, when I lived in Utah, when my my oldest son that used to live with me would go spend the night at his friend's house who were LDS, I had to put some pants and a collared shirt in if it was over a Saturday night because they had, he had to, he was going they to go. church. Yeah, they're they go. going to church. It is what it is. I ain't going, but I'm not going <laughs> to allow him to miss the experience of having fun with some friends and bonding and whatnot with kids in the neighborhood. You just got to go to church with that, bro. Well, here's the fact of the matter. I've never been Catholic a day in my life. But. Right. I right. Mean, the education right. was there. The resources was there. Football track. Like I literally was not going to allow. I mean, my parents, I should say, weren't going to allow mm-hmm. me to miss out on the experience and the benefits of that education and of that experience and the exposure that came with it. Like literally, that's why I was saying I've come up in code switching my whole life. Mm-hmm. It's just like Absolutely. locker rooms. There's a code in the locker room. Yep. And you have to learn, read the room, learn to adapt. You go from one team to another. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have the same energy. It doesn't have the same vibe. And so you have to learn that because that's a part of getting along and working with the team and being able to thrive. It, it, the point is, it should be a compliment. It should be something that we praise and honor, not something that we should even question. Like, I, I almost feel like if I don't teach my son, because one of the things about him, I've actually had to teach him the other code because we he didn't grow up around um, any urban areas, any mm-hmm. people who were native to me, like even my cousins. And, you know, because, you know, I didn't grow up in no rough part of town or nothing like that. But I had relatives. I, I had experiences. I had people who I was close to where it was like at a very young age, I understood 
okay, so when we hear, we do this. Right. Right. I remember, what was I like, nine years old? Lincoln Heights Tigers. Okay. Right. That was a different brand of football. Right. Okay. It was a different brand. Because the team, <laughs> because it was a it was different, an entirely different brand. It was entirely different, right? Because, you know, I mean, I'm from Forest Park and, you know, you, you get into Lincoln Heights and, and, and Woodlawn and, and you find out there's a different coat. And that's only like four miles down the road. We ain't talking about another Is part it of even the four miles? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Literally, it's, it's a almost, whole four miles. Okay. It's almost walking distance if you have to do it. You know, if you have to do it, if you, you have can. to do that's it, you what can. I was saying. Right. That's what, yeah, that's the thing. You just own, you know, you, you just got to know the safe way to get out. But Nobody my point is, to. you could. Like, yeah. I mean, there's certain streets. It's like, no, don't go, no, make sure you go left, not right. 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 Um, but the point is, even within teams, um, work, there's certain corporations that are big enough where you work in one area where you get moved to another one. It's a little different. Like Andre, he's working in the same field, same place, but since he has switched companies, mm-hmm. you got to read the room. You got to understand all bosses, all uh, co-workers, all teams and units are not put together the same. Your responsibilities may change, but that also requires you to you know, take on a different form. So I think it's something that unfortunately um, not enough people strip the shame away from it because it, it needs to be taught, um, I think, more, like more, I should say, intentionally and deliberately, especially young kids coming up who, you know, they don't know. We're doing them a disservice if we don't teach it to them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's my take. Yeah. But to add on to what you're saying, like I, my kids did, are not growing up how I grew up. No, so no. It's, the, it's the opposite. No. Now, I got to teach them how to be around their people because <laughs> – yeah, real talk. Because they, they grew up in Utah. Yeah. They, and them not they, them not they people. At all. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't have no family out there. So, you know, it was just us. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, we got to give them people. a crash course of how to be around they people. Yeah. You know, uh, again, my, my youngest boys operate out of uh, success. Mm. My oldest... Because I was a little younger and times was different when I had him. He's kind of in the middle because I was on that acting out of survival thing. So in a weird way, I've had to teach him how to act and them how to act. Right. Like it was weird. It's a it's a whole weird dynamic, bro. As far as like being upwardly mobile and having black boys and living in white spaces like like the Rocky Mountain region and in the Pacific Northwest. It's a different fight for uh, your black boys. It's why my hair looks like y'all. If, if you know me, know me, you know me. I keep crispy corners and a fade. That's how I was for the longest. But once I got out here and it wasn't nobody else, I had to let myself look like how I was, how I look naturally. So my boys could understand that how you are and who you are is okay. It's perfectly acceptable. Yeah. So, you know, of course. So whenever I go to the baseball field, what do I do? They know, oh, you Peyton's dad. Because <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody but me with hair out there. You know what I mean? So, in order and, you to know, post, and, and what you I say is it. perfect there because, mm-hmm. and even the word that you use, spaces, mm-hmm. because it, it's something that's recently been used more often. And I appreciate that where we just have to call the spade a spade and call it what it is. There are certain spaces. These are white spaces. These NASCAR. are 
these are black spaces. These are (laughs) women spaces. These are spaces where you have to know the language and frankly, no one to shut up. But actually, that kind of segues into the next topic that I wanted to get into. When we talk about politics, and generally speaking, even though we, you know, lie to ourselves and say there's independents out there and people who don't subscribe to a particular party or whatever, I mean, that's like legit maybe 5% of the country. Most people have, even if they don't identify with a party, they have a certain leaning. They're left-leaning mostly or right-leaning mostly, that kind of thing. Um, And yes, obviously there are the gray matters. There's a nuance in between. But the question I have is, after a whole term of Donald Trump and all these hearings and all the criticisms that have come with the corruption and all the flagrant just, you know, disregard for the norms and the pomp and circumstance that comes with the presidency, when we think about the left, or let me just say for myself, when I think about the left, when I think about Democrats, when I think about people who lean left in uh, many of their positions, I find that people are able generally mostly to agree that they are squandering an opportunity. Now, again, I'm not talking about who I'm not. This isn't like a campaign speech where I'm talking about whether you should vote left or right. But I'm saying anybody with eyes and intelligence can see you have squandered an opportunity. And so the question I want to throw out here is, do people on the left realize that they have already lost America, that they're it's already over? Do they realize it doesn't matter what happens in the midterms? It doesn't matter what happens in 2024. Like you have lost because you squandered an opportunity. And then I guess that'll be part A. And then part B would be, why did they lose it so badly? Anybody want that one? Go ahead, Dre. People pleasing is how they ended up. It's one of those things like where, okay, to, to give a sports analogy um, real quick. So you have two teams that we'll say, because this actually literally happened in Louisville. Um, so St. X and um, Trinity, they kept mm-hmm. winning all the state championships. They would always meet in the state championships. So we changed the rules so that they had to meet before the state championship to give somebody else a try. They kept adjusting the rules so that people didn't have to get better. They just had to move the rules so that somebody else could participate. And I think that's one of the things that we've done in America is we ch- we keep changing rules to the point that it's it, where where we have nobody many, knows how to play the game anymore. Almost. Right. We 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 try to please too many people. Like it's the it's the line from The Incredibles, the cartoon. If everybody's special, then nobody is. Like that's right. made it to the point mm. that we've tried to make everybody special. We mm. we got to look out for the trans community. We got to look out for separate LGBT, like just strictly gay people. Then we got to look out for black people, the Asians. They got to have a space. We've completely kicked the American Indians out or the Native Americans out. Um, but we're trying to bring them back into the fold. And then we got to still take care of Asia and all, like all these different things. Wow. And the left, the far left is to the point where we, we like, it's a protest about everything every day. And yeah. 
people like people even i'm exhausted by it like it, it started off as just like it, it started off as black lives matter and i was like cool yes black lives do matter and i'm glad that y'all saying mm-hmm. then it went to well trans people have the same fight that black people do wait hold up and then these people had the same and it's like and we kept adding on the black people's pain like by trying to equate everybody's pain to black people's struggle and now the message is so muddled that it's like they one thing that Donald Trump did, which was brilliant. I'm not even going to like knock him as far as his brilliance, as far as a marketer and things like that, and how he could flip a script. The two things he did, he, he turned Colin Kaepernick's protest into the national anthem debate. That was the first thing he did that was brilliant because it, neither one of them had anything to do with each other. But the second thing <laughs> that he did was he weaponized like the left. Like before it was like, are you conservative or are you a left wing nut like that? It, but like it didn't used to be that when we were growing up. It was just, you know, are you conservative? You're a little bit liberal. There were now, far more things in the middle that everybody universally agreed. Right. But now right. the liberal means you got to be over here. You got to love, uh, you know, black people, mobi- mobility. You got to love trans people. You got to love LGBT. If you don't if you don't like any of those categories, like it can be one that you just are like, uh, I don't. I don't agree with abortion. Oh, well, then you got to be a conservative. Like, that's the only category you get. Like, we've knocked it down to the point where it's either this or that. And this is really the point of the show is, no, there's a gray matter. Like, there, there is a gray factor, and it actually does count. But we've we've kind of eliminated that. And that's where the left lost it is at the, we, we allowed them to make it a, a, a two-thought process system. I'm going to go ahead and jump in here. I'm going to let Paul finish this one off. All right. but the, the thing I think about is uh, the, the first thing that comes to mind is that, number one, and this is not left or right or anything in between. I heard someone talking about this as it relates to um, the recent news of Boris Johnson resigning. Mm-hmm. And um, someone was talking about how the problem with the U.K., and everybody around the world kind of universally laughs at it is how disposable their leaders are because mm-hmm. of the way that their system is. It's kind of like you mess up once they'll be like, you know, the gong show and they'll just replace <laughs> you. And then it's literally like you could be in there and uh, you could say something wrong. You could take one wrong position and it's just like, bye. Um, now, I'm not defending or saying that he was, you know, right. I mean, he was acting a fool, but my point is, that their system of government is antiquated. It was set up for a time that has long since passed by. When we think about sports, to use uh, an analogy, it's like football. You you ever see those old clips, those like black and white, where they'll show like, what is it, like Otto Graham or somebody, or even back before that, what was the guy's name? The Native American guy, the um, Thor. Thorpe, okay. Thorpe, yeah. All right. So Jim Thorpe, right? They had like they called them helmets. Them was basically padded skull caps, right? Yeah. <laughs> they ran around full speed tackling each other with padded skull caps, right? Well, if we did that today, n- all three of us would be dead. Like literally, we wouldn't have survived. Like it would just be we would all have. Well, even if we did survive, we wouldn't look as beautiful as we look right now, mm-hmm. because the helmets kept our skin on our face. Like they adjusted with the times. 
you know, I'm reminded of that. Clip. They also wasn't running down. Yeah. With they they that, weren't. And, they weren't doing like we was. And doing. that's my. They was not, I, no, I was literally getting ready to go there because I was someone. In fact, I saw that somebody reminded me of this earlier this week. They showed a clip. Remember in the um, Pro Bowl when Sean mm-hmm. Taylor mm-hmm. like he, he like he rose. He peaked rose that dude decapitated yeah. him. I forget who it was now. It comes to me later. But what did the Gus just like we forget who Pete Rose did it to. The dude, the <laughs> right. Okay. I, think it was, I think it was Gus Farrakh, but keep going. Okay. Whoever it was, mm-hmm. the, what I'm saying is they adjusted with the times. They got different helmets. They got different technology. They changed the way the pads were they, because things changed. Same thing with baseball. That you, you see some old black and white clips. They didn't even have batting helmets. I'm not going anywhere on the field with Randy Johnson. No. Without a batting helmet, mm-hmm. okay. That, I'm not taking that, right? The, but and when I'm getting back to politics, though, there has to be an adjustment in the way that politics get done. Everybody keeps talking about Congress and gridlock and not being able to agree on anything, and so nothing gets done. Well, that's because you're working on a system. We're going to be like the UK in the next 200 years if we don't fix it. Now I say all this simply to say this: getting back to how the left uh, has lost America. It's something that has become popular now. They talk about purity tests, right? The, mm-hmm. These tests are basically the purity test. Basically, you're not really one of us if you don't agree on mm-hmm. all of these things. It's almost like we have that litmus test. I'm, I'm thinking of Peter Griffin, where you know where they put the card up, and they're <laughs> like, "You're okay. Otherwise, you get arrested." Right? Now, right. here's the point. That that's just a little thing I enjoy. I think it's funny. It's sick, but it's funny to me. But recently, like, um, there was an interview that Macy Gray did mm-hmm. where Macy Gray uh, basically said that, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, I may be butchering a little bit, but the, the general sentiment was, look, I, I don't care what people do in their privacy, in their own homes, in their bedrooms and things like that. But just because you decided to change mm-hmm. your physical bodily organs and just because you have a feeling about something does not mean that you are a woman you don't get it's like uh what in dr phil that one guy said on dr phil one time you don't get your own pronouns you don't get to choose your pronouns right and what happened was she said basically that there's more to being a woman than just your you know genetics i mean uh sorry not your genetics your um Genitalia. Genitalia. Thank you. I, I was, I was, I was stuck in the G's. I, I didn't get that one out. Your genitalia does not. Just because you change your genitalia does not mean that you are somehow uh, a man or a woman just because you want to. The fact is, she was saying, childbirth, growing up as a little girl, uh, the struggle of having to deal with cramps and your menstrual cycle and and childbirth, losing a child, you know, miscarriage, all of these types of things go into the experience of being a woman and you don't just get to come. And and the point was everybody from the left side of the media, like just pounced on her. Mm -hmm. And my thing was this, even if you disagree with her and that's fine, if you want to disagree with her opinion, why does she get canceled or somehow she doesn't pass the test as being considered one of us just because we don't agree with that. Bette Midler says something very similar Mm -hmm. and people lost their minds. Mm -hmm. 
And that's part of the conversation, I think, when it comes to the left, because there's literally this like intolerance Mm -hmm. for anything. It's like it's almost like saying and I'll use this as an example. Andre can appreciate this. But it's like Andre was faster than I was in the hundred. That does not mean that I was not fast. Right. (laughs) That doesn't mean that I couldn't go. That right. just means that I was what a step or two or a point two or whatever it is. Behind. I don't know. How, I don't even know what the time was. But my point was, no, there was a reason why I'm sitting there anxiously waiting because I was the anchor on my team because I was the fastest dude in my school. Now, if I went to Molar, then I'd probably be running first. <laughs> that, that's how it would have worked because your anchor is your fastest leg. But my point is. Just because somebody isn't hardcore one or the other. And we saw this with Trump, where everybody, you know, went through this whole living says it's like you're, you're a rhino. You're a Republican in name only. You're not truly conservative. If you're not down with Trump. But then the left won't hold the mirror up and realize you're killing yourself and you're killing your message and you're killing the opportunity because you are doing the exact same thing that you criticize Donald Trump for. Mm-hmm. What, what say you, Paul? I say they lost uh, when they elected Obama and refused to let him govern. And the only thing they allowed mm. him to do was change the uh, gay marriage law. He, they did not allow him to do anything for anyone brown. Not a thing. Right. So what happens then is now we get centered on uh, the LGBTQ plus uh, movement, and that's been if you want to, if you let's be honest, that's been the, the what's lost everyone. It what it's not necessarily that folks don't believe that that LBGTQ plus folks uh, don't deserve space, safe spaces, and the right to exist and the right to access to all the things that everyone else yeah, deserves property, money, whatever property, you want to do, marriage, marriage, all that kind of stuff. Like, however you define it. Let them people live. Let them mind it. Right. That's none of my business. Let them have it. But, right. but they went further and said, you have to like how they live. You have mm-hmm. to approve. Otherwise, you're a racist. You're a bigot. Now, I, what? I, how somebody lives is not up for my approval. It's not my decision. I believe everybody deserves the right to live right as long as you ain't hurting nobody and you ain't taking from nobody. Right. And that includes women, children and old folks. Leave them folks alone. That's what I believe. Everyone should be able to to live and move how they want to move. The problem is on the left side of the game, if you don't believe everything they believe, you're a bigot. Yeah. And, And more importantly, it's okay for somebody to call you a bigot. Right. It's okay to just let you label somebody like, wait a minute. How did we get from I don't see it the way you see it? Maybe you can persuade me. Maybe you can convince me otherwise and change my mind to nah, man, you're just a bigot. But you're not even my ally. You can't change my mind. Like, I'm not going to change my mind about trans women in sports. sports. Like, I'm I'm not (laughs) going to change my mind. Biologically, there is an advantage to you being born. As a male, they, like, it's also known as testosterone. 
We men, we men welcome any woman who wants to try to compete with us in our arenas. However, we do not believe men should be going down and competing against women. That is just wrong. That to me, and there's nothing wrong with me stating that. Like Florence Griffith Joyner, the one of the coldest to ever do it, ran a 10 4 9. Do you realize she wouldn't even win a high school state championship nope. with a 10 4 9? Like, you can't tell me there's not an advantage. So, she wouldn't win in Delaware. Forget Texas, Florida, <laughs> Ohio. She wouldn't New win York, in Utah. Richmond. Right. <laughs> so he wouldn't like, win high school boys state in Utah. And you and we know Utah ain't Georgia. It ain't Texas and it ain't <laughs> right, Florida. Right. It ain't but, Ohio. <laughs> but we sitting here at the point where we're saying, okay, everybody has to be included. Everybody needs a trophy. Everybody needs this. Now, wait till 15 years from now when a man becomes a woman who enters the UFC ring and kills somebody. And then we're going to sit here and try to act like we all up in arms because this happened. But it's this, is almost did. Yeah, this is the path of the man yeah. actually already did and, and broke the lady's face. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I'm um, talking about still, a life. Right. We just now at that point, it was like, hey, you got in there with him. You knew it was a dude before he was a woman. So, hey, but right now, we're still did. at the beginning of this. So, yeah. we talking, you know, Dwayne Wade's daughter, like when mm-hmm. she gets old enough to compete and she dropping 35 a game. In like the WNBA. Like, now now we've muddied this because we wanted to make sure. Now, my only so- – I, I don't have all the answers. My only solutions is trans people play against other trans people. That's that's as easy as I can make it. Other than that, that's all I got. Like, I don't have any other solutions other than that because it – it stop it. Like, that's really all I got. I mean, yeah. I'm not – and I'm – not. I love everybody. I promise you I do. But there are certain things that just, like – I don't want my daughter competing against somebody who was born biologically a male in in a combat sport. Like that's just to me that's wrong. And more than anything, what what? And I guess this is where again getting back to how the left lost it because that's essentially what Andre is saying. I look at it and I'm thinking to myself, you lost it because you don't get to tell me that on something that is not settled science. It's not settled law. It is not settled thought. We're not talking about your art. Paul's going to argue with the rest of the nearly 7 billion people on the planet about the sky. The sky is actually orange. Nah, bro. We're going to call it blue because that's the way it hits my eyes. (laughs) Right. I love women's sports. So that's why I'm adamant about this is because my wife and I, we actually watch the WNBA. Right. We watch track. We watch women's soccer. Yeah. We, we watched the, even in the when the World Series is the Little League World Series. We're going to watch the girls get down too. Right. Like, I love. And I, That's I what, yeah. That, I was gonna say, yeah. You are one of the few people I know who it don't matter what's on. If the girls are out there doing it, you'll be like, bet. We're yeah. watching that. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's wild, man. Like, like, how do we get to this point? And, 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 and I go back to Black Lives Matter, which was mm. actually a Trojan horse. It was yeah. not about black lives. It was about the LGBTQ community. Go on their website and read their mission yeah. statement. It was not about black folks. And when Andre mentioned that earlier, talking about everybody kind of hijacking the message and taking off for black people, mm-hmm. here's the thing. It, people who are astute and who have read about it, they will understand that is part of what we find in our our recent history. We're talking about going back to the civil rights movement. 
Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the criticism and a lot of the reason why some people have gone over to the conservative uh, side of things is because they find that they've been let down because what was supposed to be an issue to make sure that literally hundreds of years of like disenfranchisement to black and brown people were somehow hijacked and it became women's liberation. It became LGBTQ rights. It became all of these other things. And that's not to say that those things don't matter, but we still haven't even gotten that fixed. Before y'all try to cancel us, we are not saying that LGBTQ plus people do not deserve rights. I no, just want to go on the record and say that we're not. You can try to cancel me if you want to, but no, that's not at all what I'm no, saying. I, what I'm saying yeah. is that the Democratic, the left became, instead of a movement of the people, it became the LGBTQ plus focused community. Mm-hmm. That is what the movement became. And what happened is when it became about one group instead of every group, everybody's like, oh, so this is, then it became, then we start using words like they have an agenda. They're trying to feminize the men and and all this other stuff that they're, these images they're putting in front. So it gives conspiracy theorists ammo and fodder to keep speaking. And, and, and and again, when you, your actions keep going the way they're going, it's like, oh, so you're not about us. You're about this group. So this is the party of the LGBTQ plus community. Now, at first, I thought it was a party for all Americans to be progressive. But apparently it's more about tolerance around sexuality and gender than it is about inclusivity. Yeah, but because it should be a broader um, like it's not a matter of you can't get in if you don't. It should be more of a, as long as you're willing to. It's kind of like how they tell you if you join a group or something like as long as you're willing to follow these guidelines. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Problem is your guidelines are now again this litmus test of do you believe that you know transgender boys or something should be able to do that and it's like no I mean I agree with the rest of it and it's like nope 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 there yeah. is no tolerance <laughs> yeah there is yeah, no the, tolerance the the On either side claims, right the party that claims tolerance is is is, is the, the, least tolerant been, the least tolerant exact and and I'm frankly. That is what, and that's kind of where I guess we can almost button up. It's like your lack of tolerance is showing. It is glaringly obvious at this point because you're so sensitive to differences. What Mm -hmm. made you think that a female, a lesbian white woman and a, let's say, Christian Southern black man we're going to agree on everything when it comes to politics and government. It's not possible to expect that. So you, there is going to have to be some tolerance somewhere. Right. And I'll just leave it here. This may be controversial, but what I find going back to the civil rights thing is that, frankly, it is often been because black people have wanted so much. And this is just me speaking. OK, uh, I find that because we want accepted so bad as black people that we frankly have been too willing to let other people hijack the message, which is why oftentimes we don't get what we want. And I know I took a total left turn there, no, but you, you that's just where I'm at. We love, we black folks as a collective go out of their way and beg for white acceptance. To be that liked. Is, that is the, that is the, 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 yeah. 
the, the model of our existence in America. Yeah. We just we we love when when a white boy love our songs or we love when a white girl can dance. We don't even count it in that. We don't even count it unless you go into what they call the mainstream. But we right. know mainstream is white acceptance. And right. I find that in more than just music or something artistry, uh, there tends to be this element where we want acceptance so bad that we're not willing to just stand on principle and be like, look, I whether you like me or not, maybe I'm just going to have to grind it out. Maybe I'm not going to get the same traction that my peers and counterparts might, but I'm just going to stand on this whether you like it or not and be okay with that. But mm-hmm. anyway, that's just my little two cents in there. I get it. And that's still not. So before somebody even points it out, we talking the difference between acceptance and code switching. Like That's code right. switching is a totally different thing than what we talking about. So before mm-hmm. y'all try to point out, oh y'all being hypocritical, shut up, stop it. Point I'm, it out. I'm, <laughs> I'm, point it out. Get mad. I'm with all the smoke, man. I'm with all that dumb. Hey, I read the comment. I be waiting for it. When you say pull up. Pull up, please. Hey, we ain't we ain't we ain't said nothing bad about nobody's mama, their kids. We ain't said nothing crazy about you know nobody. What? And you can like, disagree with us. We we talking out in public, so you can disagree with us. It's conversation. The, the con- right. because the conversation needs to be had in the middle somewhere, like not on the extremes. I'm not out here to be quote unquote liked. I mean, don't right. get me wrong. Please subscribe. We right. need subscribers. Like, like I don't want <laughs> to you know, hurt nobody. We love you, but. Not at the expense of my soul, you know. Not the, you know what I'm saying. We know the world ain't gonna agree with us. We don't agree with each other. No, absolutely. <laughs> not really. As always, we got to talk about those that are missing in action. Mm-hmm. Those who have come up invisible. Those who have come up short in the fourth quarter. Where are you? Those <laughs> where we most needed their presence are nowhere to be found. So we have to talk about our APBs, the all points bulletin for all of those who are uh, showing up like Casper, right? Mm. You, you mm-hmm. invisible, dog. And so mm-hmm. as we, uh, as is our custom now, we, we start our APBs with A. So Andre, what you got? My APB, I'm a, I've been I've been pretty hard on on cultures lately, so I'm a, I'm gonna change it up. I'm a, I'm gonna change it up. Still gonna be hard, but it's different. So my APB uh, is for dating, like mm. the actual art of dating. Like, I, this is like I don't know what has happened to the dating scene in this country, but it is the internet. The internet's in listen to Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion tell you mm. what you're supposed to get and all it like I back in the day, right, we back in the day, we used to have to talk to people, had had to, hey, how you doing? What's your name? Stuff like that. Can I get your number? Like I was in the mall the other day and this guy walked up to this girl. Now these grown people, these ain't kids. They were grown people. He asked her for her IG handle. That was his introduction. Yo, you look good. Can I get your IG? What? Come on now, dog. Like, what happened to the actual art of dating? Like, it actually going out. Jeez. Like, hey, let's go get, let's go get some coffee. Let's go get, you know, let's talk for a little bit. Like, people don't even have conversations anymore, and it is beyond. Mm-hmm. I know. I wish one of these little thundercats would come up to my daughter and ask for her IG handle. 
Like, I'm going to need you to have be able to hold a conversation. Now we wonder why people can't communicate. It's because they don't actually do it. People don't talk on the phone anymore. Mm. I know it gets annoying sometimes, but dog, like, have conversations. Pick up the phone and call and just check and see how somebody's doing. Don't send them a message. Don't send them a text message. Because when it comes to conflict resolution way down the line, you're going to be able, what you're going to do? You're going to sit in your therapy session and text, uh, this is how she made me feel, uh, and I'm not agreeing with it. Like, I need y'all to be able to communicate and just go on an actual date. All three of us are married. Wow. I don't know about y'all. I know I've seen Paul take his wife out and they go out and just go to B-dubs and have some wings and have mm-hmm. a good time. Me and my wife, we, go we got a date tonight. So I'm like, and, and I'm assuming Billy does the same because he just he just in love like that. Um, so, but can we get back to that in real life? Is just the actual dating scene. Like I equate this, one of my friends said she her dating pool got peeing. I was like, no, your dating pool ain't got pee in it. Your dating pool got Flint, Michigan water in it. And yeah. this is what's going on right now is that there's so many people who are unhappy with the dating scene. Like, can we just get back to regular dates, y'all? Like, we ain't got to go get crab legs on the first date. Can we just go to, like, let's stop looking down on Applebee's? Because Applebee's... Look here, man. I'm all for the <laughs> just go, go meet me at Starbucks and let's just chop it let's, up. Let's, have, you let's, know, get let's to, have a conversation. First of all, Shot, bravo! Because I think about the fact that when I first like, and it wasn't my wife. Even before I met my wife, this was true. But like, I remember when I met my wife, I was serious, and I was like, I need to meet her mama. I can't meet her mama on Instagram, and if I can meet her mama on Instagram, we got a bigger problem. Where we We got way bigger problem. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing. It's like not only the art of dating, but there's so many things that. I feel like I'm getting, I'm becoming that man, like the old man. It's like get off my lawn now, because mm-hmm. there are certain traditions that should not be thrown out. So I, no, I'm like the, the great philosopher talking. Tevin, Tevin Campbell said, "Can we talk yes. for a minute? I want to know your name before he said it." You <laughs> but I wanted to be more clever. I want to know man. your name. Come and talk to me. Can we shout out? Do you remember when I, re, I? I'll speak for myself. I remember when my father finally broke down and we got a second phone line in the house, and it mm. was in the basement, and it was like, oh wait a minute, so I can actually call somebody and talk, and my mama not gonna pick up the phone talking about boy, you forgot to flush boy. the toilet, or. Pick up these dirty drawers. Ain't nobody got time for this. Which, All these strange fast girls, girls you got on the phone. Right. <laughs> so which fast girl? Which one of your girls you talking to now? I need Boy. to call. I need to call Sister Betty from church. And I'm gonna need you to get off the phone with these fast girls. You ain't going out nowhere anyway. You on punishment. Like you on punishment. My mom done out of me on punishment. I was so I was, I was so grateful <laughs> I could actually date without being interrupted. Cause there was phone conversations. There was Man. actual like Effort put into it. Yes, absolutely. Bring back. Yep. Where's real day? Used to put on the Wiz Mellow Moods in the background. Yes. Mm. And had a slow mm. jams playing so you could lay your game down quite hey, flat. Hey, even before the Wiz, see, I guess I started a little bit young because I remember WBLZ. Quiet yeah. Storm. Okay. Well, 103.5. I, I still right. remember. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's my ABB. Like, let's get away from sending penis pics and show me your boobs, and let's just get back to a regular date. Like, can we just get there just one time? Just please. Just to add to, that, to add to that, ladies, 
when is it when are, when are you treating him like a simp and when is he courting you? And men, when are you tricking and when are you courting? Because mm-hmm. it seems that these generation, the f- folks out there, don't Lord know the line. difference between tricking and courting, mm-hmm. or simping and courting. Listen, I, I'm I'm gonna just go back to what Andre said. If if you saying the penis pick before the first date, you fall in one of them categories that Paul just gave. <laughs> you was either simping or tricking, but you doing both of them wrong. You're doing too right. much. You're doing way too much. <laughs> the most. <laughs> My APB actually adds to his APB. Hmm. My APB. We got combinate. We coordinating. Oh, we yeah, coordinate. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about, I got an APB on grown. When, what happened to growing up and being grown? Mm. It's too many brothers and sisters our age trying to compete with people in their 20s and mm. 30s. It's gone. Your time in the sun <laughs> has passed. Man. Do not buy that. Do not buy them skinny jeans. Do not buy that skirt that that 23-year-old woman got on. Don't buy that top. That ain't you, boo. Just because it fit don't mean it's going to look right. <laughs> Bruh, do not. Like, what are we doing? It I couldn't. I remember when we was... We used to make fun of the OGs when they asked to put their little linen short sets on and they and they little mandals like right in the but but we got grown up. I can't wait till I get grown. Right? My 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 wardrobe has grown with me. I don't dress like I'm 19 wow. years old. I'm not trying to dress like I'm 19 years old. I'm, I'm not dressing. Trying to I'm dressing for my arthritis at this point. Okay? <laughs> right. I'm dressing for I'm dressing for this joint pain Bruh. and that stiff back. What's going to get me? Where we we going and how long we going to be there is going to determine what I'm putting on. Like, from from the shoes all the way up, I'm coordinating based on amount of walking. Man, look, if I ain't got a place to sit, chances are I'm not coming. (laughs) Chances? I'm not standing up at no concert. I'm counting the chairs when I'm going to (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a wrap. Like, what happened to getting grown, man? Yeah. Like, why are you trying to compete with your kids and your nephews and your nieces? Make grown folks decisions. Yes. Like, like what happened? You can't tell the difference between somebody 22 and somebody 38. I mean, other than looking at them. But they got the same outfit on. But you kind of just answered it. Part of the problem is you got people to think, man, I look good for 38. You know, I've held up. Here's the thing: just because you look good for 38, don't mean you need to go back and do things you did at 28 or 18. Okay, well, you could do the things you did at 28 or 18. (laughs) Don't do the things they doing. Yes, yes. Don't do the things they doing. (laughs) You got still got Jordans. I still got Jordans and jerseys. Don't, but that's the stuff I I was doing. Yeah. At that age, I'm yeah, not rocking. You ain't gonna yeah. catch me out here dressed like Chris Brown. Nah. First of all, <laughs> okay, yeah, definitely don't do that. It's it's too many of us out here competing with young folk. You know what I mean? What Ali say? If if you have the same mindset that you did that you that you, if you have the same mindset at forty that you did at twenty, you wasted twenty years. Yeah, grow up. Grow up. 
<laughs> you know, my niece asked me, she had a friend who was selling tickets to go see Russ at Bridgestone Arena. And my wife started off with, who is that? So I was like, it's the guy <laughs> who made the, made the handsomer song. She was like, are we going? Uh, no, because we would look like we didn't belong there. Yes, like, you look like somebody's parents. <laughs> we would be somebody's parents yeah. sitting in there, and they would look at us. I was like, no, I'm not going somewhere to be a bunch around uh, around a bunch of 13 to 20 year olds. Uh, I don't oh. know, like I barely know the words. We would look out of place. So that's just like them people who are th- that y'all talking about who 38 dressing like they 22, thinking they look good for 38, mm, but you still like a 38 year old dressing like a 22 year old. That's exactly. Yeah what the point is. See, is at best, you look like a 36-year-old <laughs> like a 22-year-old. Bruh, like... I don't even want to bathe like my children do. I don't want to brush my teeth. I don't want to eat like them. I don't want to listen to the... I, why do you even want that? Mm. Yeah. Okay, so grown. Grow up. Grow up. Adulting Wait. still sucks, though. Like, we're not talking about adulting. Nah. Adulting sucks. No, I'm about, to pay some, I'm about to pay some bills as soon as we get out of here. And I'm, man, that sucks. Man, I miss being 10 sometimes. <laughs> when it's time to pay just, some bills. I just want to watch a WWF cartoon and, and eat some, <laughs> dig them smacks. That's yeah, all where, I want. Yeah, where, where Jack your dog at? Come on, Hillbilly Jim. My, um, and this has been a long time coming, let me just say this. Um, and I mean this. Like, this is episode four. If I've if I've never if, if there's nothing else you've ever taken me seriously, if you've never believed me about anything, this APB is coming from the heart. I need representation in the rooms of the decision makers at Amazon. Mm. There's an Amazon Prime commercial. Amazon Prime, Prime week's coming up next week, and I know that there's nothing I'm gonna say that's gonna change your mind. Some of y'all already got stuff lined up to be there on Monday because you was mad that they didn't show up this past Monday because they had a holiday off. If the whoever greenlit and said it was a go for this brother to come out here doing these Amazon Prime commercials. I need everybody in that room fired. Mm. Y'all didn't have nobody. You talking about reading the room? Tone deaf. Mr. Eclectic Soul, read the room. That's your that's your phrase, right? That is my phrase. Everybody in that room is illiterate. They can't read. <laughs> so that for the people is- who don't know, who was the person that you referred to to send the commercials to? Mm-hmm. Talk that talk. Mm-hmm. He got a name. I won't speak it. No, put an address on that thing. No, no, that no, 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 no. He's selling it. I won't do it. I won't He's do selling it. me insurance. No, no bro. Put, put it, a, nope. You don't, you don't <laughs> want no cocoa butter? Nope. See, see what I'm saying? See what you did? See what you did? You know I can't. You know I, you know I see. I, I need some cocoa butter. Though. I, no, man. First of all, I got some cocoa butter in my cart right now. <laughs> the Amazon. Let, let me let me just say this. And here's the thing. Unfortunately, this is consistent in most of what we see on commercials and TV in any in any type of media. It's okay to like people think it's cool and it's okay to just like ha ha ha. It's funny to like 
make fun of and poke. But this isn't just a matter of making fun. There is such a thing as buffoonery, okay? There is such a thing as being a complete and total clown show. Like that Dr. ain't funny. What about Dr. Pepper? Lil Sweet. Ain't they the same? Mm. That's white that's a, face. That's a conversation about prince that I ain't ready face. to have. That light skin <laughs> face, black face, or white face. What face is that? Like I said, that's a conversation about Prince and I ain't ready to have right now. All I'm saying is Amazon, you better be glad I'm addicted. That's all I'm going to say. Amazon, you better be glad I'm addicted because the way y'all did that, brother, in the Amazon Prime commercial, and I'm, I'm not going to, no, I'm not even going to dignify. I ain't going to say no more than that. My APB is, not, it ain't even about him, okay? The man got to get, he got to get money. My APB out for all the people with some sense who ain't tone deaf that should have been in that room and said, nah, we can't do this. A we Wayne Brady would never. Really? He wouldn't. I bet Wayne Brady would have been like, I never do. Man, get out of here with this. Come on, bro. Wayne See, Brady. See, now, 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 now we got to hashtag Wayne Brady so he can come at your throat. He would not. Wayne Brady would not be on out there with a Jerry Curl wig talking about cocoa butter, bruh. Don't do that. You see, you see oh. what he did there, Andre? <laughs> I see what he did. First, he went for Whitlock. Now, then he went for Umar over his book. Now he invoking Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady. No, I gave Wayne Brady pops. You refused to speak the other brother's name. Put his name out there. Yeah. Address that. It will not put part a, my list. Put a stamp on it. You ain't going to put a stamp on it. Nope. <laughs> you scared? Nope. Put out. You lift all them daggone <laughs> weights, and you scared a you scared a old boy. This man, listen. This man been on every third commercial. Yeah, about two weeks. Talking about cocoa butter and Amazon Prime. And here's the sad part: the commercials effective too, because I know what days they are. Mm-hmm. Prime days, twelve and thirteen. You ain't got paid much know, different. And I know I can get some cocoa butter. <laughs> <laughs> no, it ain't just a cocoa butter. He was like this. <laughs> That's what it's come to. So, uh, yes, there's an APB out, and I need uh, Amazon. The, the people in the boardroom. To do better. I need you to do better, Amazon. <laughs> all right. It's been a great time discussing all these matters, and we look forward to uh, yet another fun-filled time of topics and things in the news. But until then, we say uh, have a blessed rest of your week. Be safe out there. Don't do nothing crazy. And uh, please feel free to uh, comment, uh, like us, subscribe, um, agree, disagree. We don't care. We're here for all of it. We just appreciate the fact that you all have taken the time out of your day to listen. And so uh, tell a friend share and uh, until next time uh be blessed yeah www.thegraymatterspodcast.com check us out there like subscribe do all that stuff also let's not forget the young lady Brittany griner go to www.wearebg.org to sign the petition to get that young lady home uh but until we meet again next tuesday keep searching for the light she, she pled guilty today y'all yeah saw that yeah 
So, you know, let's to add to what Andre saying, let's let's like you said, speedy recover. Let's hope they don't, you know, bang her too hard with the uh with the sentence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Joe, do your part. Yeah, do your thing. All right, everybody, peace out. Peace out. <laughs>